Good morning. It is Friday, December 2nd. It is seven minutes after nine with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So, Rob Kendall, you are taking Monday off. So here's what I need from you. Yes. I need you to leave it all on the field today. Okay. Get it all out of your system. All right. Yes, absolutely. All right. Good morning. We start the show off talking about Kanye West today or yay. He nearly had a mental breakdown live on the air with Alex Jones. He was spewing hate against Jewish people and also praising Hitler and Nazis. Okay, so I was thinking about this driving into work this morning, and I actually think this segment we're about to do is going to be very important for a lot of people because I think what has happened to Kanye West it is very easy for many people to have happened in their own lives and let's play the audio yesterday and then I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on this because I think what has happened to Kanye West is a very scary thing and I think it is easy for it to happen to many people let's play the audio I thought that's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I I see I I see good things about Hitler. Also, the Jew. I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me you can love, um, you know, us. And you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts. And you can love what we're you know what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. How about that one? Ari Emanuel, how you like that one? Hey, Ron, you gonna do anything to fix Chicago? The most Nazi-like activities I've seen um, and, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shook people down to a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Okay. He said he loved Hitler. They gave him an award. I, I'm just saying, I don't like Nazis, and I don't like what some of the mafias are doing either. I like Hitler. Okay. So what has happened to Kanye West, and it is very easy in and, and in an industry, it is very easy, especially in an industry, in which your persona becomes your lifeblood. And what I mean by that is whatever the public perceives you as, if the public gets drawn to that and that becomes the way in which you monetize your existence, it is easy to lose separation between the character or characterization of yourself and what you actually are as a human being. And I think, Casey, if you will indulge me for a minute, mm-hmm. this is what's happening with Kanye West. And what I mean by this, and, and I'm going to pull a pro wrestling term out. How about that? Nine ten, and I'm pulling out a pro wrestling term. There's a phrase, work yourself into a shoot. And what it means by that is pro wrestling is what they call a work, right? Like the two guys are working together Mm -hmm. to create what you see in the wrestling arena, the storyline behind it. Clearly, if one person did not want to participate, you could not do the maneuvers, et cetera, that it takes to do a professional wrestling match. It's a choreographed dance. Right. But you will see this, and pro wrestling is the most prevalent place, in which a person will get so into the character or Mm storyline that the work, the made-up thing that takes core core choreographing in the ring right 
becomes a reality. Mm -hmm. Like you get so into the storyline or you get so into your character that you somehow, and I know people are driving their own going, this sounds utterly ridiculous. It is common. It does happen. And it happens in entertainment too, where you lose sight of what is real and what is not. And I think in the sense of Kanye West, he made such an exorbitant amount of money Mm -hmm. and he has created, he has garnered such fame and fortune off the premise of what is real and what is not with this guy that he has pushed that character or that or this this self-created thing on wow this guy's a little off and what is he going to say next that is he has he has wrapped himself up in that to a point where he has gone past oh this is interesting this is entertaining and he has pushed it to the max where he has now ruined his career mm-hmm. he has ruined his life he has ruined his brand and and i think it's a very serious thing because i don't think he knows how to get out of it at this point right well he was clearly erratic nonsensical hateful he was dressed with his face fully covered by a mask i mean was that even kanye who's to say but back in 2016 he was persuaded by authorities to check into the ucla medical center after suffering from hallucinations and paranoia and the initial episode was described as temporary psychosis. So, in a sense, Trump was right. He's not well. It sounds to me very much like a bipolar episode, like he's having a manic episode. And it is somewhat reminiscent of what Charlie Sheen went through, what Britney Spears went through early in his career, what Robert Downey Jr. experienced for a while. And at first, I used to think that he did it just to be shocking and outrageous, that it was an act. Yeah. And I think you're right. I, I don't believe this is an act anymore. He felt wronged by so many people that he started lashing out at everybody and He has to completely hit rock bottom, which I think we're all witnessing, until something is going to happen. I feel that Nick Fuentes, this guy who is kind of um, being very parasitic towards him and has his hooks in him. That's an interesting take. And, you know, I said for years, I thought Kanye West was interesting because when I was a kid, one of the people that I really admired was Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. the comedian mm-hmm. and I admired him because this is a guy who's been dead for 40 years and yet nobody to this day still fully understands what was real and what was not with him and he had an immense ability to hold people in the palm of his hand and collectively leave them guessing up to and including in his death and to the point now where 40 years later there's people who still don't believe he's dead right I mean I always thought that was just an incredible ability to basically mind screw people and I thought that was immensely talented and I thought there was some of Kanye West where it was the same thing like right like I would look at him and go clearly there from an artistic standpoint the guy is incredibly talented Mm -hmm. clearly from a business standpoint the guy has a brilliant mindset to be able to take his art and turn it into a fortune and I always thought with him he is screwing with people the same way Andy Kaufman used to screw with people where you never knew what was real and you had to watch next the problem becomes And we see this a lot in entertainment. And you laid it out with people like Charlie Sheen or Britney Spears. You get so wrapped up in not only I have to keep the audience guessing, but I have to continually Mm one-up 
what I did before, so the audience will keep needing to guess. Mm-hmm. And I think, like in the 1970s and 80s when Andy Coffin was thriving, there was no social media. Right, it was very easy for him to create these characters or create these fixed professional wrestling matches or the Tony Clifton stuff or you know g- angering people on Saturday Night Live or whatever you know Fridays where he goes off script and you could do it in a in a in a box and then you could go away for a while and then three months later the guy pops back up and now it's something else in the social media era where we have the attention span of a gnat and and the twenty four seven news cycle I would imagine a guy with some serious mental issues like a Kanye West Mm -hmm. gets totally warped and wrapped up into, I have to continually keep one-upping myself, and then it leads to something beyond ridiculous like this. It's very much like a drug addict. Yeah, that's great. That's a great example. You have to consuming more and more to get to that same level of high. Yeah. And where does it end? And, 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 And you can speak to this and I can speak to this. In the entertainment industry, if you go down that rabbit hole, Right. If you go down that rabbit hole, it is a very dangerous world because you've got to be able to leave the character, whatever character you play or you create or you have fun with. You have to be able to leave that at the door whenever you check out of your entertainment world, because if you bring that person home with you. Mm you can get swallowed up and you end up like this. You're no longer playing a part. You become the part. Yeah. When we, so when we come back, we've got more, this audio, because Nick Fuentes was on with Kanye West. Yeah, he sat there at the table during the Infowars show. And he laid out how he got in that dinner with Trump, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, we'll get to that next from 93 WIBC. minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and taking a look at some trending stories this morning. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the official trailer for the fifth installment of Harrison Ford's whip-cracking adventurer is being released. The movie is scheduled to be released on June 30th and it features a de-aged Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones. What does that mean, a de-aged? Well, They've taken their magic. Oh, of this Hollywood. is like, this is like what they did with the Robert De Niro and, uh, and made him young again. That that, that uh, movie, The Irishman. Yes. Ah, uh, they make him look young again. Yeah, in the I, movie. I hate this because here's the thing. Yeah. And and the uh, to quote the famed poet Eminem as he was writing about the uh, about Moby one time, you're too old. <laughs> let go. <laughs> It's over. So you're not excited about the new Indiana Jones movie? No, none of these ever work out well, right? I mean, again, I think we've asked this question before. Other than The Godfather, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there any like any other movies come to mind where you say, "Wow, that sequel was really incredible"? I mean, there's some phenomenal know. first movie. Oh, here he comes. The Fast and the Furious. Well, you're just ready to fight today, I, I aren't you? I think the National Treasure sequel is pretty good. <laughs> okay. Nic- okay, Nicholas Cage. He's he's done well. Yeah. You, you liked Book of Secrets? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, okay, that that was all. It was oh, all wait, right. Also, uh, another one, Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, Sorcerer. Yes. Wait, wait. Uh, no, it was Chamber of Secrets. I think Harry Potter got better as it went on. Yeah, it got better. It's yeah. okay, but it's very rare. Rare. Can we agree? It's very rare yeah. you get even two really good movies out of a series. <laughs> much less what? What is this? Number five. Yep. Six. Yeah, five. I mean, dude, you're. What is he? Is he eighty? 
He's got to be 80. Harrison Ford's got to be 80 years old. He's pretty close if he's not there. Kevin, while, while she's going through the rest of this, can you confirm if Harrison Ford is 80 years old? Also yeah, trending, uh, President Biden is set to meet with the royals, Prince William and Princess Kate. They are in Massachusetts today. Biden's going to travel and go to the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers phone bank. And while he is in Boston, he's scheduled to meet with the royals at the John F. Kennedy Library and Museum this afternoon. And finally trending, it is Candle Day at Bath and Body Works. It's the 11th year in a row that they've done this. It's today and tomorrow. During the event, all of their three-wick candles will cost $9.95 instead of the usual price of $25.50. Kevin did confirm Harrison Ford is indeed 80 years old. And I would like to say, Casey, because you strike me as someone who might enjoy a good candle. Yes. The three-wick candles are lovely. There is, if you take Interstate 70 Mm -hmm. and you just head east, there is a gigantic candle shop off the Spiceland exit or near the Spiceland exit Mm -hmm. that you would absolutely love. You could spend a whole day in there. Really? Oh, yeah. It's incredible. And it's it's Christmas time, so I'm sure they got all their Christmas decorations up and stuff and things that you can purchase. Is that the gift you give someone when you don't really know what to give them? Yeah, it's probably universal, right? Yeah, universal. Here's a candle. I Uh, thought of you, but I didn't really know. I knew enough about you to get you a candle. (laughs) But yes, I forget what the name of Someone's probably shouting at the radio right now. There's a gigantic candle-ish shop Mm -hmm. off. Like It is like one of those like firework factories, but for candles and Mm -hmm. all sorts of other home decor that women like and uh, you should you could spend a whole day in there (laughs) that women like okay do we want to get to Nick Fuentes yes let's play this audio just real quick so Nick Fuentes was on with Kanye West on Alex Jones yesterday and obviously the the, Kanye said was getting all the attention but Nick Fuentes actually spelled out how he got into this meeting Mm -hmm. with Donald Trump and how a blatant racist anti-semite bigot hater of Jewish people like this still floors me. And I think this is just as amazing as anything Kanye said. So I was told that I may not even be able to get through. Well, we pulled up to the club. They checked out. Yay. They checked out Karen's ID and information. We drove up. We walked in. We sat down in the lobby. The president came out of the dining room. And that was that. He invited Ye to dinner. And I don't know if it was Ye or Trump, but one of them said, uh, well, we want to bring uh, Jamar, uh, Karen and Nick into the dining room. And so we came in, we sat down, well, we took some pictures, yay, uh, it sort of lit up the whole room. Everybody wanted to get a picture with him. We sat down at the table. Um, and I want to say it, initially it was a very pleasant dinner. Trump gave kind of the standard black voter pitch. He talked about the HBCUs, the opportunity zones, things like that. And then he goes on. I mean, it's a whole long thing. I wish we could have played the whole, because there's like three minutes of him, him talking about it. But it is... Um it is perplexing that a former president, that a guy like this could just waltz right in and hang out with a former president, mm-hmm. given all the security that is associated with that, and not only a former president, but a guy who is once again running and is still probably, at least as of this moment, probably not for much longer, but at least as of this moment, the front runner for his party's nomination. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy said, I don't think anybody should be spending any time with Nick Fuentes. He has no place in the Republican Party. And during that uh, broadcast, Kanye West was daring Elon Musk to ban him from Twitter. And he said that he was going to allow Nick Fuentes and Alex Jones to handle his Twitter account for the rest of the day. They both tweeted something out on behalf of Kanye West and actually Elon did ban him and I'm wondering was that because he wanted to suppress his speech or was that a show of compassion from Elon Musk because he wants 
Kanye to disengage from the Matrix. Well, obviously, he posted the uh, was the Star David, and mm-hmm. then the Nazi symbol merged into one, and they said that that was whatever they call it, inciting violence mm-hmm. or whatever. And we can get into that later, too, because I, I think the whole inciting violence thing is largely just become ridiculous now at this point, what is or is not inciting violence. But uh, this is why Trump can't be the nominee, right? And in a new, we got a new poll out showing more and more people, we can talk about that next, mm-hmm. um, that are showing more and more people are quickly coming to that conclusion. Because if Trump and Trump's orbit are so chaotic and unorganized that this guy can not only get a meeting, but a meet and greet and a meal and everything else associated with the president. That shows his vetting process. It shows his picking process. Mm-hmm. And we can't have that anymore. And Trump's lawyer said that it was a setup. Like, yeah. these guys are coming in to, for a setup. Very you know, interesting. You know what we can have, though? Yeah. It's is the Nick, news. Is Nick Darling back? Nick Darling. <laughs> Who the hell is Nick Darling? I'm looking, I'm looking at Nick Fuentes. It's, it's Kurt Darling's Kurt Darling. alter ego. Just his to evil be clear, twin. my name is not Nick Fuentes. <laughs> it is Kurt Darling. Yes, yes. We're well aware of that. Thank goodness. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and the news is up next. So there was a new poll released from YouGov and The Economist, and the new poll... It's about the presidential race 2024. <laughs> this song. You're jamming over there. It's to... so stupid, but it's so great. Eminem's Eminem. very influential. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. We're waiting to have that conversation until later. Don't don't start it up again, Kevin. But uh, this YouGov economist poll says that Donald Trump's eldest son yeah. is ahead of Vice President Mike <laughs> Pence in the poll. Okay, so there's two things in this poll that make me smile. One is the continued rise of Ron DeSantis. Um, DeSantis now rapidly closing in on Trump. Uh, 30%. To Trump mm-hmm. has 36%. DeSantis has 30 I would say after the last couple days, if that poll were taken... Now, it would change. Uh, it would be probably flipped. I mean, I think this is, we are just about to the point we are done here in this conversation. I mean, the, the Trump thing is just wholly ridiculous. But what is newsworthy, because I've said this for years now, that Mike Pence and his people live in their own little world on Mike Pence's opportunity to continue to scale the political ladder. Mike Pence was a guy who was about to be thrown out with the trash in 2016 and was going to lose to John Gregg. And Trump saved him, and that's how it works sometimes. We don't pick the best. We pick the person that might help us the best, and Pence was a good help to Trump. But the Pence people live on Fantasy Island when they think that Mike Pence has any shot to ever be president of the United States. They totally misread how he is judged. They totally misread his ability. They totally have him convinced that he has this, just just, that he can single-handedly connect with people like anyone else. And this poll, I love this, as Donald Trump Jr. Mm -hmm. ahead of Mike Pence. Right. So Mike Pence was at that New York Times deal book and he didn't share the stage, but some of the other guests speaking at the summit included Sam Bankman-Fried and also Zuckerberg and uh, Vladimir Zelensky. But Pence was repeatedly asked to talk about the January 6th events, and he just 
refused to talk about it. And he recently told Fox News that he's giving prayerful consideration to running. So it's interesting that they're polling him, but he has yet to officially announced that he's running for president. Well, he's going to run because he has nothing else to do. Now, again, if he were getting sage advice, the people around him, the gravy train people, I mean, and this is what people need to understand. Mike Pence has been surrounded for basically 30 years now by what I call the gravy train people, by the people who recognized, because look, 30 years ago, Mike Pence you know, when he was here, he was a rising star. Certainly when he first elected to Congress, he looked like a guy that had future presidential front runner candidate whatever written all over him and these people have hitched their wagon for mm-hmm. 30 years now to mike pence and they recognize well what are we going to do if he fades away and so they've got him convinced hey you got to run man there is a path for you here's the path blah 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 whatever and i know the people and i know the names and uh, i know the advice they're giving him the problem is that the best thing for mike pence would be to not run and go away for a while Because if Mike Pence disappears and Trump's the nominee or DeSantis or whoever and it doesn't work out, then you walk back out and say, hello, Mm -hmm. here I am. Mm -hmm. I'm the the porridge is too hot over here. The porridge is too cold over here. I'm the porridge is just right. Yeah. And you have an opportunity to become potentially in four years the face of the Republican Party if the dominoes fall your way. He has no chance to win this primary. It doesn't matter whether it's Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Mike Pence is loathed by a huge portion of Republican voters. And I know the people around him are not telling him this. I know they're showing him or telling him what he wants to hear. But maybe the best thing is for him to run this time and then we can finally be done with him. Because I've said I would pay a sizable amount of money to see Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis on a, uh, Mike Pence and Donald Trump on a stage together. And speaking of Donald Trump, the House Ways and Means Committee granted access to six years of his tax, ret- tax returns and that was due to that Supreme Court ruling. So why does it matter if we see Donald Trump's tax returns? It doesn't matter. It, it, uh, the only thing they're going to prove with this is that he's not technically as rich as he says he is. And and that will, in Trump world, humiliate him. And they know that. Now, what's interesting is Trump basically admitted to this years and years ago in his first, the filing, the financial disclosure you have to do in order to run for president. And I don't know why this remains a big deal. Trump admitted in that filing, because it's obviously a legal document and you could get in big trouble if you lie about it, that much of his wealth is what he values his name at at the time. And what I mean by that is the more things Trump can monetize his name for, the more valuable his name is, the more valuable he asserts his net worth is. So, you know, when he was running for president, when he first declared, when he was doing Apprentice, Obviously, whether it's putting his name on wine or steaks or hotels or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's a huge premium for that. He calculated much of his net worth was based on that. Trump is probably not an actual billionaire, certainly not now after all these years of not being in the business world. And so they'll they'll be able to, I guess, prove that. But the Democrats keep acting as though no one has seen these tax returns, like they've been locked like they were the Dead Sea Scrolls or something. The IRS looks at his taxes every single year. So what are we led to believe? uh, Essentially what the Congress is trying to say, the House Democrats are trying to say is, well, the IRS is so inept that 
it's there. They just can't see it, and we're going to find it. Mm-hmm. No, he uh, Donald Trump is scrutinized at the wazoo every single year. And trust me, if he were cheating on his taxes... Mm-hmm. We would have heard about it by we'd now. We'd all know about it. Yeah. Andy Biggs says that the House is going to leak those tax returns. The real thing is to go after Donald Trump, and that's what this has always been about. I mean, they've gone after every aspect of, of President Trump's life since the day he rolled down the uh, the escalator and decided uh, and announced he had decided to run for president. This is just one more uh, avenue to go after him, and they, you know, they're looking for anything they can. You've got criminal investigations that have gone on for years. You've had investigations in Congress, and this is just one more. Uh, attack on President Trump. They say they're meeting to decide what to do with them. Do you think we'll see them leaked or do you think they'll just go on the record and share these? I mean, usually tax returns are sacred and and usually not made public at all. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me if they get leaked. Don't forget, this is the same crew that said that he was he was uh, bankrupt and had no money. And then and then it came back in the and it turns out he was doing very well. And they said, well, oh, yeah, see, he's too rich. I mean, that's what goes on. They're just attacking him constantly. And I think the other thing they will look to do with these tax returns is try to aid the case being made in New York that Trump fibbed on these bank statements, whatever, in order to secure loans. So I think this is there's a two-pronged approach to this. Now, he's talking about them being leaked. I mean, it seems like everything is leaked now. Absolutely. And it's all for political gain, but the leaking kind of gives the American people a little bit more transparency. Right. Like half the stuff we may not have ever heard of or known. Well, look, tr- Trump, made, Trump, Trump made his own bet on this because a candidate for president or the president of the United States should release their tax returns. Do you have to? No. Should you? Yes. Should you give the American people some semblance of assurance that you know, whatever. I mean, not, not look at look at Biden. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you actually release them or not. But in our little world we live in, we sleep better at night, I guess, if someone throws their tax return out there. The problem with Trump is he's the best at everything. He's the biggest at everything. And in reality, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's still a really rich guy. He's still really successful. But by his own ridiculous standards, he will probably be disproven to be the richest, most bestest, most whatever at everything. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Mike Braun making news this week. And we're going to discuss that coming up from 93 WIBC. Mike Braun has filed paperwork to run for governor in the great state of Indiana. And that could open up his Senate seat in the next election cycle. It is interesting how much news this decision uh, garnered, given the fact that Braun handled it about, about as bad as you possibly could. And Hammer and Nigel and I talked about this yesterday on the Off the Rails segment. Mm-hmm. Why he allowed the media to just figure it out on their own, you know, in this case, I think it was Adam Wren who initially broke the, the story, and then you just kind of let them start writing the narrative mm-hmm. versus writing your own narrative, and then they pull your narrative is beyond me. I mean, who, who told him that was a good idea? I mean, think about it, like, he has a an actual relationship with Hammer and Nigel, right? It's not like we said, yeah, you should come on our show where you never know what you're going to get. And I'm not an unfriendly audience, but I'm certainly going to ask him, you know, the stuff. Like I got a lot of grievances with Mike Braun and his voting record as a state representative. We're not saying that. He has like a friendship with those guys. He's been on with them many times. They're the number one afternoon show in the city, in the most powerful media outlet, arguably in the state. 
Why would you not make that announcement? Mm hmm there like hey because then you say why you're running you say why you're going to do this the audio you dictate gets pulled it's you know wish tv or you know whoever is is other news outlets i i don't i just that just perplexes me why he elected to just quietly do this and let it leak out he did a soft launch yeah rather than he has said that he is going to make an official announcement but nobody cares next, now nobody cares probably now. probably next week because no, no, it's already out there he's, you're just a dude asking for money now at this point right i mean you're yeah. just it, it, the, the 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 information in the 24 7 news cycle we live in the 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 newness of the information mm-hmm. is what people want and you know he's got infinite money and he's going to run infinite ads but i just thought that was very perplexing that he allowed that to get out in that way you said infinite in infinite money yes uh, his net worth is estimated to be about 136 million dollars that is uh that is a gargantuan amount of cash so i think he spent let's put this in perspective and i tweeted this out the other day that rich people have an incredibly unfair advantage in terms of being able to access public office, right? So Mike Braun spent, I, and I'll have to go back to pull the numbers. I think in the U.S. Senate primary, somewhere between 8 and $10 million of his own money. To you and me, that is like, oh my gosh, what a, just an unbelievable amount of gorging mm-hmm. to hold public office. Mm-hmm. But you got to think about it. That is only by your number there, and is I don't know if his net worth has gone up or down the right. past four or five years, but that is only by that number about one thirteenth of his total wealth. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole purse. It's not. I mean, it's like it's like an expensive toy that he had for a year. Okay, let's say he lost. Well, okay, I lost one thirteenth of my wealth. Okay, I mean, you still have the other twelve thirteenths of your <laughs> of your wealth, mm-hmm. and it does really put in perspective. And I'm not a person that I believe money's free speech. You should be able to spend it, but it really does put into glaring perspective what an unfair advantage uber wealthy people have in terms of being able to run for public office, which does give you pause because public office affects everyone, mm-hmm. right? Every person should have the ability to have a fair playing field in some capacity when running for public office. And we do, and and at least we would like to think they do. And they don't. The reality is we don't. The reality is if you, me, Kevin, whoever ran, we would start at an infinite advantage, disadvantage to Mike Braun, including the most important thing, our ability to get on the ballot. Mike <laughs> Braun will have no problem getting on the ballot because he will spend whatever it costs, you know, $150,000, $200,000 to pay the people to go get the signatures. You, uh, you, me, Kevin. That would be called a grassroots effort. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, yes, yes, if it were any of us. Yes, that's absolutely like, as in we would be digging the grass up by its roots out of frustration <laughs> trying to get those signatures. The, the, the the process in Indiana is so flawed and so rigged in favor of the people that the two parties want running. And that is why I'm just so hopeful that the Libertarians and Green Party win this federal lawsuit against the state of Indiana because it is so unfair that regular people have this gargantuan hurdle to run for public office and someone like Mike Braun can pull a wad of cash out of his back pocket and not even think about mm-hmm. it. All right, well, let's listen to him. Here, here he is speaking about his governor's run. 
you know, I filed the paperwork to do it a couple of days ago, and uh, I am going to go back and run for governor. There'll be a formal public announcement outside the legal foundation of filing the papers here in 10 days or so. Uh, I worked hard to get here. Uh, this place, sadly, is going to get worse before it gets better. We need term limits. We need a balanced budget amendment. We need leaders that aren't going to keep taking us down the road of trillion and a half dollar deficits, 31 trillion in debt. Biden put a budget out there, puts us 45 trillion in debt. Something's got to change here. I'm going to go back, try to run a state and make sure that we at our state level come up with the solutions that you may try to adopt out here someday. So Mike Braun did a pretty good job as a senator. And I want to clarify again what I'm about to say by saying I believe he would be infinitely better than the clown that currently occupies the governor's office at 200 West Washington Street. Then again, that pen Kevin is writing with would be a better option than Eric Holcomb. <laughs> so that's not a very high bar to hop over. But I want to know from Mike Braun a couple things. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's voting should want to know these things too. And it doesn't make you a bad person. In fact, it makes you a good person in terms of doing your civic duty, which is why did Mike Braun vote for the largest tax increase in Indiana history, and that is the tax on gasoline that we're all feeling right now as much as ever, and it goes up every single year without discussion. And why should we not believe that the fact that Mike Braun voted for that terrible, unaccountable, largest tax increase in Indiana state history, why should we not believe that that is how he will govern, that whenever there is a perceived problem with the state of Indiana or the revenue or the treasury or whatever, that he will just default to lazy, unaccountable tax increases. He sounded like he was ripping on D.C. on his way out the door, like he's disgusted by Washington and he doesn't want to be around the people in D.C. Yeah, and you know, that rubs me the wrong way, too, because that's really easy to do. But the fact is, when because it's easy to go to Washington and go, well, uh, I'm going to be this just vote no guy and I'm going to be tough and I'm going to this and I'm going to that when you're, in the when you're in the minority, which is mm -hmm. where Mike Braun spent much of his time as a U.S. senator. But when he was in the majority, mm -hmm. which was the Indiana General Assembly, what did he do? He went along with the flock. He voted for the 40-plus tax increases in Eric Holcomb's first year in office. He voted for that gas tax. He was not some, you know, stalwart who was standing up, pounding his fist, going, no, this is terrible. I don't care that I'm a Republican. I'm against this. We're supposed to be the party of low taxes, not the party of high taxes. He was the go-along to get along. And... Now that he wants to once again, I guess, be a part of running the state of Indiana, mm -hmm. he owes everybody an explanation. And look, here's what I've told people. 35,000 votes didn't make a world of difference in the Secretary of State's race. It'll make a big difference in a Republican statewide primary. So our audience, mm -hmm. the people who listen, the people who are informed, the people who want to know mm -hmm. what's going on, they are going to want the answers to that of why did you vote as a guy who professes to be this pro-business pro-low taxes, pro-limited government guy, mm -hmm. why did you vote repeatedly for massive taxation and massive growth of government as a member of the Indiana General Assembly? He did do a few things that I agree with on immigration. He emphasized the first solution would be to build walls. He opposed the DREAM Act. He opposed the Affordable Care Act. And he also was supporting Rick Scott when he tried to oust Mitch McConnell as the GOP leader. So he does have some accomplishments that he can run on. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.